Hi, my name is Carolyn Aronson. I'm the founder and CEO of It's a 10 Hair Care. And what I love about beauty is how it makes other people feel. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Well, welcome, Carolyn. We're so excited to have you today on Beauty is Your Business. You have a pretty incredible story starting out as a hairstylist and starting a brand, a hair care brand, and then growing it into a huge player in the market and still owning that brand. So kind of rewind us back to the very beginning, how you started your career at a young age and how you got to where you are today. So I was quite young and I just really knew I wanted to be in the beauty industry. I mean, I can remember being five and six years old, thinking about beauty, thinking about fashion, thinking about how you make things prettier and what that feels like. I think I was eight and declared I wanted to be a hairdresser. And uh, I was in beauty school by 16 <laughs> and I graduated from high school a little early and then went to a real beauty school because my first beauty school was a vocational one. And graduated, you know, by the age of 19, I was behind the chair and stood behind the chair for 18 years and was a salon owner as well. It's a fantastic industry to be in. It's just been really, really fulfilling for me now, 38 years into it. Wow. I can't believe it's been 38 years. You certainly do not look like it's possible. (laughs) You were working in a salon and you were a hairstylist. How did you come up with the idea of starting a brand? Standing behind the chair, there was always a lot of frustration with the products. Even as a hair salon owner, I had 14 different lines and I would cherry pick them. And I always wondered why the hair care brands didn't do what they said, just didn't really equate to what I thought they could be. And I was frustrated. I would kind of concoct and layer them to get them to do what I wanted behind the chair. And not only that, they weren't easy to understand. Either they said something different than what they did, or they did something different than what they said. I mean, it was just really confusing. And I thought, if I'm confused, I can imagine the consumer is. And I would just kind of pick the best products from each hair care brand rather than carrying entire collections. And I always thought, why isn't there one brand that has like all good products? Why aren't they all the 10? Why aren't they all the best? And now I know why it's not easy. (laughs) It is not easy to make a really, really good product. And sometimes it takes me years to perfect a formula. So now 17 years later, I have about 80 different products, but it took me a long time to get to where I am. And really, I ended up falling into it. I had a partner who was in sales of hair care and said at one point, you want to try to make our own line. And we did. And we pretty much failed and lost everything and ended up taking our last few dollars and starting It's a 10 with just one closeout packaging bottle, one product. And um, here I am 17 years now into owning It's a 10 hair care. And now I'm the sole owner of the brand. I bought my partner and became the sole owner. So it's been a really fabulous journey, actually. Wow, that's amazing. And rewinding back to it, you mentioned that first kind of failure that you had to work through. Like, What was the lesson from that that you kind of took away and helped you launch It's a 10? I mean, there were a lot of lessons, but one of them definitely was don't try to do it all yourself. We really did everything very a la carte. We launched with too many products right out of the gate. Everything was very a la carte and it was really hard to kind of get the synergy all to come together 
perfectly. We had a lot of the QC issues. So we learned a lot of hard lessons in that first company. So really starting kind of small and focused and slowly growing the company was the best way to build this company, especially because we didn't have money. (laughs) So, you know, you had to get creative with marketing. We had to really live on a budget, those kind of things. And not only that, really making sure the product that you launch really, really works. I think the second time around, I was much more focused. I'm bringing to market a product that could really be a game changer. And how is that going to be marketed? You just learn a lot of lessons along the way. It's so interesting. And you did something so unique in launching with the Hero single products, the Miracle Treatment. What was the thought behind that? Because obviously when brands launch, it's oftentimes with dozens of products or... Collections, yeah. It was really about understanding the industry and knowing that within our industry, there are what I call golden formulas. So I think we really set out to create a golden formula, a formula that really made an instant difference, that truly, truly brought a unique aspect to the industry. I mean, leave-in conditioners have been around for 50 years, maybe longer, but how do you bring something unique to your industry to live the American dream? And so that was really what we focused on. And so it was, you know, my partner says, why don't we try to think of a product that will do many things? And we found this kind of concept of really raising the bar within this leaving category and really putting a new twist on it and really making sure that the ingredients, the performance, every single aspect of it was unique to that category and to our industry. And so we were able to achieve that with the Miracle Leave-In product. We just gave out free sampling, and that's how it really grew across the United States by just getting it in hairdressers' hands. I mean, that's like the old-fashioned beat-the-street kind of way to build a brand, right? And it worked for us because I think really the product itself, obviously, 17 years later, we sell over 10 million bottles just in America alone. Of the Miracle Leave-In product now comes in 10 different variants. Each collection is built around this really staple hero product that really has become a product that people just can't live without. So anytime you kind of bring that to your industry, we set out to make it simple, easy to understand, color-coded, and really listing the 10 things on the back of the bottle. Now everyone has tried to knock us off. They have not been able to take market share from us, even after 17 years, because ours is different. And so... You know, it just really has, I think, proven itself that we've created the third step to every person's morning or every hairdresser's process, shampoo, conditioning, and believe-in product. Because once you start using it, really hard not to. I mean, it is something totally different on the market. And at the time, there weren't a lot of, you know, multi-purpose products like that, you know, multiple benefits in one. So where did that idea come from? Because it really was kind of like the first in its category, and there's been many copycats. It was a combination of my partner and I, him saying, let's bring something to the market that is multifunctional and me really kind of coming up with a product that I thought we could really declare as multifunctional. You know, as a hairdresser, I really understand what products do. So even to this day, when I create a product, I always make what I call a very hybrid product. I never make just a regular product. I make sure it has all the properties that makes it unique and raise the bar within that category. I don't care if it's just a plain gel. My gels don't flake. They don't make your hair dry or crunchy or gunky or all the things that I know as a hairdresser is appealing in a product is what I bring to market. 
And a lot of times that ends up being a real challenge for my chemists that I work with. I say to them, I want a volumizer that just dry the hair out. That makes the hair really voluminous, but yet doesn't leave it dry, crunchy, make it brittle. And so I'm actually asking them to make a moisturizing type of volumizer. Well, that's an oxymoron, but I have a feeling for what it would take to do that. My years of patching thousands of heads and using thousands of products helps me to develop products. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And then as the brand grew, we obviously you kind of touched on the name and the branding. Like, What was the approach with that and with also the markets, that the way you were going to sell it, whether through the professional channels and eventually into retail? Like, How did you approach those parts of the business? We started in the professional channel only. So we set out to create a professional grade quality brand. And we were at Cosmoprop for the first 10 years. It wasn't until I became sole owner of the company that we actually cross-distributed the brand and also became international and also built an e-commerce site. So it really, it's a professional grade product line. Granted, we have become a mastige brand. You can find my brand in a lot of places, but we always make sure that it has integrity. It has proper presence. It's not bastardized or cheapened. And so keeping that professional aspect to the brand is absolutely crucial. Yeah, oh, for sure. Was the transition from selling it, you know, via the professional channel to more of like the mass market, was that to make it more accessible to people? What was the reasoning behind that? Well, I think it just naturally happened because of the desire. So that's the answer to that. You know, when you become undeniable, then everyone wants it. And that's what happens. So that's ultimately, it just was a natural progression. Amazing. And then as you were kind of, obviously you launched the brand with a very singular focus, and then it's grown so much in terms of the product offerings. So how did you approach that over the years strategically? with your launches and building around the iconic pillar of the brand? I think ultimately I love innovation and I love technology. And so I continue constantly to create new collections and to solve hair problems. That's what this company is all about. We have come to be known somewhat as the conditioning company, but it's really the healthy hair company. And when you have healthy hair, your hair does much better. It behaves better no matter what you're going to do to it that day, whether you're going to flat iron it like a pancake or you're going to literally do a massive profile. It's going to behave better when your hair is healthier, it has its own natural elasticity, isn't weighed down by heavy products or drying products. So really that's the focus to continue to address hair issues. No matter what your ethnicity is, we have been a brand for all people from day one. Long before it was popular to be inclusive, we were inclusive. We had everyone from Gabrielle Union to Christina Applegate publicly speaking about our company long before. And I never paid anyone anything, you know, just for the love of it. That's pretty incredible. And I'm curious too, as you pivoted in your career from being a hairstylist to a CEO, like how was that transition and what kind of skills did you really have to hone making that change in your career, which it seems like a big one. Yeah, I mean, it is. I went from hairdresser to salon owner. And it's interesting. I think my salon owner hat really did help prepare me for running a hair care brand. I actually run my company somewhat similar as far as the structure of it as I used to run my hair salon. So I don't have a ton of staff. I work with a lot of consultants and outsource things. 
And I mean, I still use QuickBooks. That's what I ran my salon on because I literally, in the beginning, it was just me. So I set up the QuickBooks and I managed the inventory and I built out the products and the componentry and ordered it when it was just me and my partner and we were broke and starting. So how do you transition 17 years later to run a worldwide brand that's in 74 countries and has hundreds of products? Slow and steady is the best way I can describe it. Be a sponge. And I literally have been for the last 17 years. So I think finally at this point in my career, I'm finally justified. And it's really just surrounding myself with amazing teams, brilliant people, and learning from them and loving what I do. So I love living and breathing what I do. And I do it every day. That's how you know you're doing the right thing. (laughs) And as the business scaled up immensely, obviously 74 countries, how did that you go about starting that process and growing it over time? You said you did slow and steady. And you know, what was the strategy there? Because obviously the markets are very different. They are. So I really work with some of the most brilliant people in that sector. And you don't know what you don't know. So the best thing is is to get people around you that do and learn from them and put your heads together and between, you know, your CFOs and your accountants and your global sales teams and the, the marketing teams. And really it's a concerted effort and it's an ongoing one. We actually started going international during COVID. That was a really interesting way to, to launch worldwide through Zoom. But ultimately it's a progress. It's an exciting one. I've literally been traveling the world everywhere from Asia to Europe to everywhere, Canada. I mean, I've just literally in the last two years, I've been all over the world. And I love meeting these people that are so excited about the brand. A lot of them are like, finally, finally, you you guys went international because I've been schlepping it in my suitcase (laughs) to my country and I'm tired of it. So we're really getting a lot of organic passion behind the brand anyway. And it's just super exciting to do. Incredible. And I'm curious also, along the way, building a business is a huge undertaking and process what kind of challenges were the biggest challenges that you faced and how you kind of worked around those or through them? Some of the largest challenges, I think, is just really finding balance within it all. You know, and it's an ongoing effort. And so balancing any type of growth is probably the biggest challenge of any type of company. It's very easily for it to get ahead of you, for you to maybe grow too fast or maybe not grow strategically enough, or maybe not stay focused enough. One thing I always say is that I really kind of stick to what I know. And I know the beauty industry. There have been some other companies I've expanded into, but most of my concerted energy goes into the beauty industry. I think understanding it from all aspects for 38 years. I mean, I was in high school working at a beauty supply store. So I pretty much worn every single hat within my industry and really, really understand it. And so when you have that kind of under your belt, it allows you to launch into maybe some categories that someone else might not have the bandwidth to handle. We now have a makeup line. We have hair tools. We have hair extensions. Yeah, I just launched Rewind at 10, which is a men's hair color line. So I understand what my industry needs. And I understand how to create it and to raise the bar within each category. And that's really what I focus on. Wow, that's incredible. And especially to see the original brand branch off into the different aspects. And so was it the makeup brand that you, that was the first venture outside of hair? And what inspired that? 
Yeah, it was probably the biggest one. I had hair tools before then, but you know, that's a natural fit. With the hair products comes brushes and blow dryers and things like that. But yeah, definitely the, they call it color. The color line is definitely a step away from obviously the hair care sector, but I'm not the first professional hair care brand that did it. Sebastian had Truco. I mean, there have been other brands within my industry that have done that. And I think it's a natural fit because listen, beauty is head to toe. And anytime you can really kind of create that one-stop shop for your consumer, because what happens is people say, well, oh my God, I love their hair products. What else do they make? Right? And so with me designing things and really having that input, people are, are kind of getting to the point where they're getting to know me and they're getting to understand what kind of type or integrity of product it is that I create. Amazing. In the past couple of years, especially the brand has grown so much into all the new markets. Have there been any interesting like top sellers that you were surprised at in different parts of the world? Or, you know, do you feel like the products that resonate in the U.S. are pretty much universal? I do find that they're universal. There is little nuances that will affect maybe, you know, how certain territories perceive or receive some of the collections. But overall, I can honestly say that probably our best-selling collections in the United States are equally best-selling in other parts of the world. So that's good too. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. What do you see as the future of the brand? Are there other areas you want to expand into? Always expanding, always working with new technology. That's the fun of my industry. And listen, the consumer is getting more and more educated. So they're looking for certain things. Like we just launched a fragrance free leave-in. That was the public asking for it. You know, there's a lot of people that are becoming more and more sensitive to fragrances. I'm expanding in every way, shape and form and creating all the time. And so to me, that's the best part of what I do. That's the fun part. <laughs> Yeah, the creative part. That's so cool. And in terms of marketing and that type of thing, has that evolved over time? And when you started out, it was pretty grassroots and you were doing sampling and all that. How has your marketing and you know reaching consumers changed over time? It has completely changed. I can remember when I bought the company out in 2017 and became sole owner, I think our biggest budget was print advertising. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. We obviously have completely changed how we interact with our consumer. And really, our particular brand has gone where they don't go and has done some of the most unique marketing, probably in the history of my industry. We have done everything from flying a blimp over Coachella. We wrapped the Goodyear blimp uh, and it's a 10 to the NASDAQ building, eight stories high, gave out thousands of samples in Times Square. We've been on Good Morning America giving grants to hairdressers and engaging with people through television. But we also are super, super powerful in our own e-commerce platform, as well as obviously the social media platform today. So on all types of platforms within social media, and that's really the way to directly engage with consumers and hairdressers today, even. Hairdressers are becoming much more techie, and which is great. It's funny, I've heard sometimes people say in the industry, you know, for such a creative and kind of hip industry, in other ways, it can be actually a little archaic. And I'm, I'm really super excited to see a lot of the technology come to my industry. And I love embracing it. You know, I think I had one of the first Apple computers ever with like the green dot screens. And <laughs> so I grew up in Apple and, and embracing technology as a youngster. 
that's a fun part of obviously what we do today as well. I mean, look at AI is entering the beauty industry. And I think that could be a really interesting aspect, the meta world and really what creating salons within the metaverse. So who knows? It's just a great way to actually, I think, bring you a newness and the uniqueness to the beauty industry. Definitely. In terms of what you see, I guess, for the brand expanding like further into other categories, is that something that you're looking at or you feel a good portfolio? Always. Listen, anytime I can bring something unique to my industry, I will do it as well as purchasing other companies. I mean, I'm just beginning. Look, I just entered into the hair color world for men. So, um, you know, I think it was time that we raised the bar within that sector. So anytime I can raise the bar and make something better for men or women within the beauty industry in some way, shape or form, I'm all for it. So there's a, a lot to do still, I think. To go back to one thing you mentioned about having had success with your own e-com site, I feel like that's sometimes tricky for brands. So why do you feel like it's been a success for It's a 10? Oh, it's definitely my president that's at the helm of it. Jeff Aronson, who is an absolute guru with it. And really the team that we've built to help us do that. We also have Laura Newmark, who is a brilliant woman within this category as well in this department. So it's an ever evolving world and it is something that you have to stay on every single day, cultivate, grow, exercise, and use best practices in, which literally could change daily. It's a huge undertaking, but it's an exciting one. And that is why we have really followed best practices from day one and why we've been able to kind of break some of the barriers within my sector and being able to grow that category in the way that we have, it's really the brilliant team that I've put faith in because boy, is it expensive. <laughs> I can remember when I first started building the site and trying to grow it. Oh my God, those Facebook ads and those Google ad bills would literally flash on my phone because they were on my Amex bill. So I would see like $900, $900, $900, $900. And I was like, I'm just like having panic attacks. <laughs> this better pay off. <laughs> well, I think it's safe to say that it did. So it did. And you have to have deep pockets to do it. But once you actually get that momentum going, it's really an incredible way to engage with the consumer and the hairdresser. That's fun stuff. Amazing. And as we wrap up, I'm just curious to Carolyn, obviously you have so much experience as an entrepreneur and now as a CEO, what is, is your advice to entrepreneurs kind of starting out in their careers in the beauty industry? Like I said, in any industry, if you can bring something to market that the world desires, you too can be successful. And my biggest advice to people, I would say, is don't try to grow too fast and spread yourself too thin. Slow and steady is the way because you have to have the room to zig and zag when you need to. And there's times when things don't work out. I mean, to this day, it is being an entrepreneur is literally being on a roller coaster. It's not always straight up. And so you better seat yourself in with that seatbelt and get ready for the ride. But when it starts spiraling, learn how to zig and zag to get out of the spiral going down, right? Got to find your way to get back up. And sometimes that takes creativity. It takes patience, it takes devotion, and it takes an open mind. Sometimes, especially COVID is a great example of that. We saw massive companies crumble because they were built like a deck of cards. Just a little gust of wind blew them over. 
And I can honestly say my company is built like a brick house, but it was built slow, steady, and diligently over the last 17 years. And we still have a long way to go. I think we could be around another 20, 30, 40 years easy. Wow, that is incredible. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. I don't know if you have a final thought you want to share with our listeners or how they can connect with you and the brand. Yeah, absolutely. So they can connect with me on Instagram. It's a 10 CEO. It's a 10 hair care on all social platforms. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for your time today and for sharing your story. It was so interesting. Congratulations on all of your success. Thank you. And keep watching because we have more to come. Yes. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Check back soon for another great guest. I'm April Franzino, and this is Beauty is Your Business. This has been Beauty is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.